you think about good versus good versus evil, is it on the mature side, the villain side, or is it on the healthy superhero side? And it's okay. I mean, it sounds like Newman was definitely somebody that was motivated by the economics. He was driven by that. However, it fell into because just like when someone has, um, hey, just so you can have be self-aware, you're someone that is a big on aesthetics or the return on the investment. It's important for you to see that you can get revenue from this. It's going to benefit you. However, you need to also be aware that you can sound like you're all about the money. You can sound disconnected from people. As a graduation gift from me to you, I want you to go on my website and grab a copy of my new books. Not book, but books. The first one is Leaders Set Trends, Five Employee Retention Secrets You Never Knew. It's one thing to blow up. The next thing is what happens when it's time to build a team? Or maybe you work for a company and you're trying to retain the talent that you currently have. Well, you have to grab this book that provides tools and strategies to retain that effective team that's going to continue to push that mission and vision. And the second book, The Trend-Setting Woman, Seven Steps to a Redefined Identity After Heartbreak. This book goes into the soul and the process of personal development that I took for me to become a better leader, for me to become a better whole person, and for me to start practicing a new level of emotional intelligence and self-leadership. So go to my website right now and grab a copy of both of those books. Leader Set Trends, Five Retention Secrets You Never Knew, and The Trendsetting Woman, Seven Steps to a Redefined Identity After Heartbreak. Grab it at AishaThomas.org backslash shop. Again, that's AishaThomas.org backslash shops. Or check out the show notes and go to the link and grab one right now. Get one for yourself and a friend. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And on today's episode, I'm bringing you another episode from the Act and Lead Rise and Fall series that I do with my squad that includes Tyra Shivers and Corey Sigu. And on this episode, we analyze and we do these businesses as case studies, but we analyze WeWork and the rise and the fall that they experience and really look at a lot of gaps and breakdowns that we've seen in leadership. A lot of things that we saw in the process and systems and what they had in place and how you can apply the same information to really prevent and also look out for things like this in your business or things like this in how you lead and really make sure that you navigate leadership, navigate business ownership in an effective way so you don't fall. So get your notepads, get your palm pilots, all your note taking materials and let's get into this message. I just want I really want to jump into it because I think it'll be really good for these people to get the perspective on where we're going. Um, So I'm going to pass it over to Aisha. Right. So we got our leadership in the news. So talk to us. Right. I know we talked last week about Wells Fargo. What you got for us this week? I mean, uh, Aisha. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Act and Lead series, Rise or Fall. So in this new segment that we do, it's called Leadership in the News. So we try to identify things in the news that might connect to you as a leader. And again, we have leaders from all levels. You might be a leader within an organization. Maybe you're a CEO. Maybe you're in management. But all these different things as a leader in any level or in any industry can apply to you. So in this one, we're talking about a lot of struggles that rural business owners are having, right? So what's happening right now, it says that advocates say rural small businesses such as hair salons, restaurants, and retail establishments 
were excluded from the U.S. Um, 2.2 trillion relief package. And it was, you know, we know that that relief package was passed on, but a lot of rural small businesses are affected. Um, it says that pretty much it paid um, it paid for a small business administration program to allow banks to waive six months of principal interest and any associated fees for small businesses with existing loans. But similar relief was not extended to borrowers with loans through the rural development programs. So you have a lot of people who are rural entrepreneurs, but they actually feel like there's a gap in getting that debt relief as well. So I want to kind of kick it off with Tyrus. I mean, I think that when we think about small businesses, right, you might have some people who um, qualify for certain things because they feel with they fall within a certain demographic, like maybe minority business owners and so on. But you have a lot of businesses that were affected because of COVID. I mean, your hair salons, who doesn't go to a hair salon? You have the restaurants, all these retail industries that are in spaces, but they were affected too, but they're not getting the support that they need. And of course, you know, as we're doing a lot of things with business development, and we really want to help entrepreneurs and leaders out there really start finding other strategies to bring in income and not necessarily, and yes, we want to apply and utilize these relief programs, but what are ways that, you know, you might suggest that, you know, anyone that might fall into the situation, or maybe there's a business owner out there that's like, okay, what do I do to navigate this season as I'm trying to figure out how to do business? What are some systems or ideas that you have that you think might help people in this situation? Um, one thing is definitely thinking about the end. Um, when I first got into business, I had a counselor at the Small Business Development Center. And he said, what is your exit strategy for your business? And I'm like, I just started my business. <laughs> it's brand new. What are you talking about exit strategy? So he said, proper planning will help you when things either go really well or don't go so well. So now things are not, they're not going well for small businesses. And if you don't have an exit strategy or a plan, then you don't know what to do and you're struggling. One thing you need to always be able to do is see a way that you can pivot in different downturns and market downturns. Now for restaurants, they were able to pivot a little bit because they still were able to do carry out. And so while they're not filling up their restaurants, they're able to still make the food that carry out. You can pick it up. Hair salons a little bit more different. Um, you can't carry out a hairstylist. <laughs> and, you know, they they had to shut down completely. So that was not going on. And it really put a strain on them. And so in your business, when you're setting up your business, you need to start thinking about the end. What is the end in mind? What do I want to do with my business? And what strategies can I put into place in case things happen? So proper planning and then just having strategies to be able to make a shift when it calls for a shift. A lot of, you know, other organizations were able just to send their workers home and allow that work to be done online. So those businesses were able to survive because of the shift, just having the ability to shift. Yes. And I think that's extremely important. And another thing, like if we think about um, situations like Groupon, what made Groupon very unique is that they were able to thrive in seasons like this. Why? Is because they found a way to bring um, struggling businesses together with people who were looking for dis uh, discounts, 
So they saw that there was a gap. People aren't spending more. Um, businesses aren't making the revenue. So they basically were able to be like a third party and create these partnerships to be able to bring in income another way. So what do you think about that, Corey? I mean, what do you think about the, the importance of partnerships and how, listen, sometimes we want to do it all on our own. But what if these hairdressers or, you know, these people who own these businesses started to connect with the retail companies and maybe the retail companies, you know, connect with the restaurant next door and now they can create a partnership and they maybe it'd be like, hey, you can get a haircut, go next door and you can get some food. And then after you get some food, go buy this shirt next door and find those ways to come together as a collab like we have to be able to really expand your services to another level. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, it really comes down to community. Right. And so you got to be able to be creative within that community. So so first and foremost, for the people out here listening to this, like so we talk like we got Amazon. I literally my phone just went off because I got the Amazon packages coming. But don't focus so much on getting your packages from Amazon or maybe these big companies and whatnot. And, and by yourself, I think Tyra said, you know, about a hairdresser, right? You can't necessarily maybe go to them or whatnot. Get a voucher for somebody, right? Get a gift card. Like this could be gift card season for these little bitty companies. If you're a company and you don't have a way to be able to issue a voucher or a gift card, that's, that's something that you, you need to start looking into, right? Because that alone can push your business afloat. So number one, Right. That's money that you just got in. Number two, that's somebody that's actually going to come in. So do you have a system or a process in place to capitalize on more business from there? Right. So the the process of collaboration, the one thing I'm thinking about in Texas, if y'all don't know what, what H-E-B is, it's a grocery store. And so in the in the front of H-E-B, you will see like these random places just cooking. Right. And then, so sometimes it'll be connected to H-E-B. Sometimes it'll be some person that collaborated with H-E-B and they, they selling barbecue outside. They're boiling crawfish or something like that. Right. Um, I'm thinking about a lot of breweries in, in Texas. Right. In Houston. You know, they got people selling food. They got food trucks in front of them. So that's the the creativity in the in the collaboration. Right. So you want to be able to think about, OK, if I'm a hairstylist, who can I get? Who can I become creative with to be like, you know what? Maybe Corona haircuts are real. Right. I need to go get one myself again. But at, like, who can I partner with that our businesses can can align? Right. And like successfully align. Like, don't be a hairstylist and you're collaborating with a nuclear energy plant. That, that's not about that's that doesn't have anything to do with each other unless you just pull up to the parking lot and be like, hey, I heard there's about 150 people here that haven't had a haircut in a while. I'm on spot right now. Um, I'm just saying that's a business idea with somebody to take away. But you got to be able to be creative and build community. Right. Something that y'all need to be doing right now as a business is really tapping into your community to say, hey, look, I'm going to serve you during this time. Can you please help? Right. Like help. Just just yell out help. Because I need some help in this season, right? I might not have made it to the Amazons or whatever, the targets that's not closing down and all that stuff. That small amount of money may help you, right? Like, can you, can y'all come up with a pop-up shop, right? I got a friend of mine. She's uh, back home in Louisiana. And she came up with a pop-up shop because she she sells makeup. She has her own makeup line. And she said, hey, I got these vendors that'll come in. You know, we'll space the tables apart to be safe. But we're going to have this little convention, basically, I'm going to do makeup. Maybe somebody do this, this bakery stuff. You know, maybe somebody somebody does have a, a, a lawn service. Right. Like what what can you do to come together to be able to build these businesses up together? So it, it comes down to community. For those of you out here who don't have a business, support somebody's small business. Right. Go buy yourself some food. Not on not on DoorDash. If you're a small company, go put yourself on DoorDash. Um, if you 
put yourself in in a position to say, hey, you know, I serve food. Let me go dish out my cars or something like that. Right. Let me give some free samples out. Right. So you may be thinking about the money, but go ahead and put yourself in a situation for people to know what you have at that point. I actually found a few places over this uh this this quarantine time that I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna keep going there because the food was good. Never knew who you were, though. But um, yeah, it's just com it's community. You got to bring the community in. You either up get uplifted by the community or you go in and uplift the community. Good. Hey, I oh, I love that. That was good. I'm sorry, I just had to say that was good. I got it's other hour. things like for my children's karate school. A lot of karate schools closed because you couldn't come in person, and then you start having like their school pop up with Zoom. We'll do classes over Zoom. And we'll just keep it going and we'll keep it pushing that way. And then I started to see more and more schools actually bring that in and take it to Zoom. So you have to be innovative. That's another thing that many companies are missing because we just we're stuck in the way we do things, the way that has worked for us. And so if you don't have innovation or innovative people on your staff, you won't come up with these new ideas. And for hair salon, I do have a something for you that you could do. If you're licensed in your state and you have the ability to teach, throw that, make a course and put that thing over on Zoom. It might not be the state credential, but it will help those who want to get into hairstyling and those other things. You could teach them what you know on a course and then they can maybe utilize that for some hours worked in the state offers with their requirements. So it's just about thinking, being innovative and going from there. I love that. I mean, and I love what Corey talked about with the community. I mean, just imagine, I know that when I take my son to get his haircut, the barbershop there, they're really about local, like supporting their local businesses. So even the people that get their haircut, they take time to get to know them. And there's one gentleman who does like turkey legs, but then he puts things like mac and cheese and jambalaya and all this stuff within it. So now he is delivering food for those barbers who are like having people go in and out their chairs because they are not that mobile, but it's little things like that. Like really get plugged into your community. Yes, we're individual business owners, but I love the aspect of connecting within your community to find ways. How can we work together? We're all on this strip mall together. What can we do to become really innovative? Okay, you got Zoom? All right, let me rent your Zoom for $1.99 today. You know, just, just, some, you know, just maybe you don't have access to it. How about I can use your Zoom and then I can promote your services. Like, let's start connect as a community. And I think that is a great, um, you guys have a great opportunity to do that if you start to think about ways to be more innovative. So that's one way. And just like Tyra said, there are other streams of income you can utilize. Maybe you have a gift and a skill that you've been, you know, you've been doing this for years. Well, how about go online, find ways where you can create a course, reach out to people who are experts in that space and say, okay, I don't understand the technology realm but educate me. And it could be just investing a couple hundred dollars or even if it's a thousand dollars, if that's going to help really expand your services and get you that support you need, because you might not be able to get government assistance, do that. But there's so many different ways that you can really expand your business services by becoming more innovative, but start looking into your community and how to connect more with your community and also start looking for ways to be innovative and utilize those technological means to get your business and services out there. Yes. Hey, Ashley, Ashley, she's a good one. She knows those business systems okay the art of collaboration i think that's really big and even for us we collaborated we knew that we had gifts in different realms we were able to come together and create something to help get our message out 
And as a collaboration, we're able to reach and do more. So please don't be afraid to collaborate, but make sure you have brand alignment when you collaborate. So now let's switch and pivot. Now we're going to transition. I'm going to send it back to you, Corey, so we can tell the people who are we talking about today. I know I mean, we mentioned WeWork in the title, but who is WeWork? Tell us a little bit about what, what this topic is about today. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people may or may not know about WeWork, right? Because it, it's something that, that was brought to my attention. I wasn't um, well-versed with WeWork before that. and then, But the reason I became well-versed with it because they were in the news for the wrong reason, right? So who is WeWork? Right. They provide real estate um, like the workspace. Right. So like I can go in and get a desk or something like that. They provide the workspace slash like real estate for business owners, um, for like business services, software, technology type of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of like a um, a rented space for for entrepreneurs slash business owners. Right. And so something that something that we wanted to talk to you all about today. Right. When you hear that a company is literally losing billions of dollars overnight when they were evaluated at what, 40 something billion at one point in time, there has to be something wrong with your system. Right. There has to be something that's not going right. You don't have an SOP in place. You don't have something in place. And so my first question is, or I should say my first action is I'm going to pass this over to tires because I'm interested to see what he has to say on how do how do people lose billions of dollars overnight? out of line, <laughs> out of line and out of sight. So when we look at WeWork, it was a disaster happening at birth. You have the founder who first started out with it and you got to look at it. You, When you're researching companies, you got to look at the people behind the company. Any smart investor will do so. When you look at WeWork, the founder first started with baby pants, with knee pads to help babies crawl and not get messed their knees up. Babies have been crawling for centuries without knee pads. So that company didn't go. It didn't go anywhere. But he was able to dis- almost disguise themselves as we're a tech company. We're coming out of Silicon Valley. He taught the language. We use software to design this. So he got backers. And those backers said, you know what? We work might work. And instead of, you know, being a true tech company, what they did was design collaborative workspaces. And when I think about real estate, if you're not versed in real estate, then going into that without having it, you lose your shirt every time. So when I look at WeWork, they have lost their shirt because they went in as a tech company that really didn't do tech. And now they're into trying to rent out space. But that's not their strong suit that's not what they're strong at so not knowing or not being aligned with who you are what you know and your information is really what started we work down this down spiral path and we know with ipos everything sounds good when they're blowing up when they expand fast that's another thing about systems they didn't have the proper system in place to allow them to scale rapidly they scaled rapidly because they had all the the buzz it sounded good and they were able to put hundreds of WeWork buildings in different places and even in other countries, and they scaled too fast. They were locking themselves in 10-year-plus leases with these buildings, but then they couldn't bring in the actual client. So somebody didn't think that plan out. All these things that you need to do, they have to be strategic. You have to go into the right location, 
negotiate the right lease for yourself and then lease it out and make your money back. They were losing 5,000 per person they brought into their spaces. Somebody didn't think that through. The systems were broke from the beginning just because you had the wrong people in the wrong business. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Join me this Thursday as I join my squad, my team, Act Leadership and Management Consulting as we take all of your business-related, leadership development-related, or even team member-related questions live this Thursday at 7 Eastern. Maybe you have an issue that you're trying to resolve. Maybe you're stuck somewhere. Maybe you just need some tools and strategies to get your business going. So join us this Thursday at 7 Eastern. The information is in my show notes. And I can't wait to see you there. And don't forget, make sure you check out my YouTube series as well as go to my website because there are a ton of resources out there that can really help you take that leadership, management, and business to a whole nother level. Yeah, I and I think that's big. Um, some of the things that you highlighted, a you know, of course, you know, if you're an investor, someone that's out there identifying and research the owner before you invest in it. But I think one of the things that you um, that stood out is no system prepared. So you you had this. I mean, they did not have the system, so they had um, this big vision, right? And a lot of times for a lot of business owners out there, you have this vision, you're you're out there trying to get people to invest, to buy the clients, but then you haven't had to, you haven't taken time to create the systems behind it. And I know for me now, when I look back of when I started, I wish that was something that I've recognized early on that I needed to create the systems, make sure that's effective before I decided to start to really go after getting the bag. And once I have created the system, now things move and flow a lot better. So it's so important that we have to remember Remember, as leaders um, in any realm, any kind of system, again, last week or the week prior, we might have talked about or the week before even that we talked about Ellen and how she created a system where now you can call and you can reach out and um, submit a complaint. But what is the system all about? OK, now this complaint goes here. What happens next? What happens after that? Um, so it's so important that as business leaders, anything that we created, we need to have a process outlined to break down, okay, what's phase one, what's phase two, what's phase three, to and make sure that it works. And once it works, then we can make sure that, okay, now we're ready to go live and put that out there. So it's so important that you, <laughs> Tyrus, I know, right? It's so important that you come in with that mindset that I know that I'm so anxious to get started 100%. I know I'm so anxious to get the money. I'm so anxious to get the clients. My son is here, y'all, and he's just making all this noise. He's just, he just don't even worry about me talking right now. But anywho, listen, shout out to all the moms out there. The reality is life must continue. You must continue your grind even when the babies come in the room, okay? So I, I hear all this, all right, to know that you can juggle both. But anyway, all right, anyway, single moms, moms, dads, all y'all love y'all. But anyway, but again, essentially you want to create the system because even for me as a parent and someone that serves in the military full time, I know that my availability for someone that's a full time entrepreneur is just not there. And even if you're a full full time entrepreneur, systems is going to save you because when I know I have to pick these children up from school, I know that at least I have all this automation set up. So even if I can't answer the call, I know I have this thing going on. And at the end of it, I can still connect to that customer, still lock in the sale because it's created. But just imagine if 
if I have to answer the phone while my son's in the back screaming, <laughs> while I'm juggling all these things, then it might not result to that sale. So remember, make sure that you consider the systems and the processes beforehand, map it out. And before you start going live and start to scale and start doing all these things. And I think that we work really how to break down in that because they didn't create the systems prior to. So I'm going to kick it back to Corey, because one of the things that was also highlighted on there, we'll get back to systems is what we saw is that the founder, he had a $60 million jet, y'all. The company paid him 5.9 million, right? Um, and this was, you know, once he exited, I mean, he was spending money on all these external things. But what the what the individuals that worked for him, they were upset. So like some of the stuff they downloaded on the jet, like the videos and so on, they had employees doing that. But when they came in to ask for a raise, they didn't get the raise. And that frustrated them. Some people even got fired when things started to tank. So let's get into the employee engagement part. And because I truly believe that the founder got so focused on the externals and they forgot about the internal items that needed to be done. So let's tap into that real quick. What happens when you get so focused on the internals and you forget about, excuse me, about the externals and you forget about the internal dynamics that need to still be fluid in order for you guys to continue to be a success? Yeah, and I think it, I think this comes down to um, a case of, and I was about to say a classic case, but that's not really the actual case to this. This comes down to a case of like when when trying to be engaging goes wrong. And so some of the things that these people say was from the interview process, the owner. Right. So I think his, his name was Newman or something like that. Uh, the owner would had like them taking shots and like when they would walk the floor to like be to, to kind of show them around the business. Like they, it was like this pressure that they were putting on people like, hey, are you going to show up to this? you know, event after work or whatnot. And you can tell, they said that you could tell that the person was like, I really don't want to go based on their facial features. Like, I'm not trying to go to this, but I know that there's a lot of pressure on me having to go to this. So it's it's a case of when you try to engage your workers and you try to be the fun business, when you try to put people out there to be like, hey, we're going to we're going to collaborate and we're going to fellowship after work. And we have these events going on. And you come to a point where people say, no, I'm not really trying to do this right now. You didn't have to check yourself to figure out what are you doing? So some of the things that were named in there, right? They said that the environment in there from the top down was like frat boy style. And so that's really big because we always think about frat boys like synonymous with partying and drinking and like carelessness and making mistakes. Uh, those are some of the things I guess that comes to mind, right? And so when people make that statement, then it's like, OK, you have this billion dollar company that you're trying to build and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to bring people in to be able to get spaces inside of here. And in the midst of it, you you're forcing people to drink and go to these parties and whatnot. And then so something that also stood out to me as well was what what optically are you sending messages to your employees? Because. There was a situation that happened where the, the they had an event after work or something like that, or they had a, a get together, and the person, the the CEO fires however many people, and then proceeds to bring out hundred and ten dollar bottles of tequila, and they want a party after that. So I just lost my job, but you, I see all of these bottles that probably equal my salary. Um, and you want me to now party? How about you go give the bottles back and let me keep my job, right? Because now I got to go find another one. 
So like, what are you portraying to your customers when you do stuff like that? What do you, and, and by customers, I mean the people who actually work for you because yes, you have outside customers, but as leaders, our customers are the people who work there, right? And so the thing that you want to be cognizant of in this particular case is you can have so much fun with no structure and just, just to back it up with some of the data for y'all out there, the companies on certain years was losing equal amount of money as they were creating revenue for. So they was like, they lost $1.7 billion one year and made $1.8 billion in revenue. How do you lose that much money when you've actually made that much money? It makes zero sense, right? So you have to be able to be mindful as far as what are your spending habits, right? I just said they bought a $60 million jet. What's the purpose of the jet? Was it just to have a jet? Did the jet actually help people do anything? Maybe it was just just to say I have a jet. Right. And so when you couple all these factors together, you have to realize to yourself, what what am I portraying to my employees? How am I actually engaging them or am I forcing them to be my friend? Good. Hey, And, you know, when I think about the other things they said, the things like he would have a massage person or his workout person come in in the office and he would work out and then walk around sweaty to everybody else's desk like i get it you want to work out you want to do your thing but go take a shower most <laughs> they should have designed a shower in his office and then he had a picture of himself on the wall so when we're looking at the the internals of him as a person i see a person who is very either egotistical because he came out as supportive. I want to create create WeWork so we can work together. We can be together. But on his outward appearance, what he showed or projected was anything but that. It was about him. The people in the office talked about how when he walked around, you, he was going to either give you a whole bunch of tasks, tasks you couldn't complete, or some other kind of just nonsense. So what type of person was this? Um when we're thinking about his characteristics, it, he said one thing, but his motives, his actions, his other things showed others. I just see him as very selfish and about the money. And when you ask what was the jet for, it was for him. So he could fly. So he can look good. So he can be the man. And it's great to be the man when you got $14 billion of somebody else's money, not yours. And I think another issue with businesses as they're growing is if you get too much outside capital, Without you putting in that blood, sweat, equity, or that those tears, that hard work, you kind of take that for granted. You got all this money and you didn't really have to work for it. So other than talking. And Aisha, I'll kick it over to you to talk a little bit more about those uh, motivators, that personality side. But what do you see from the former CEO? Because he's gone. And he left with a billion, y'all. A billion plus. So it's not like he gone and he broke. He left with some money. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys highlighted a lot. I mean, you're talking about like in the article, they talked about, you know, the sore spot, sport, excuse me, sore spot for employees. Newman spent even more money by renovating the jet, adding two bedrooms and Apple TV, TVs, complete with shows and movies that staff members spent three days straight downloading to the private jet. Okay, there was a Maybach. I mean, it was all kinds of things. And I think that when you talk about personal motivators, it's good to have motivators, right? 
um, there are assessments out there, you know, um, when we talk about the act and lead insights, um, it's so important that we, we provide a lot of leaders out there to identify a, you know, how you show up externally, what personally motivates you and also your order of thought. Now, just because that information is identified, now we have to identify if it's on the we say like the villain side, like if you think about good versus good versus evil, is it on the mature side, the villain side, or is it on the healthy superhero side? And it's okay. I mean, it sounds like Newman was definitely somebody that was motivated by the economics. He was driven by that. However, it fell into because just like when someone has, um, hey, just so you can have be self-aware, you're someone that is a big on aesthetics or the return on the investment. It's important for you to see that you can get revenue from this. It's going to benefit you. However, you need to also be aware that you can sound like you're all about the money. You can sound disconnected from people. If people are wasting your time, you can come off very rude and um, disrespectful. So it's so good that leaders uh, have that awareness because now, okay, I wasn't aware that I was so focused on the economics that now I'm coming off like I'm just money hungry and have that awareness and identify, okay, it's good to have certain skills. It's good to be highly driven to be a problem solver. It's good that you are about the return on the investment and you could, you make a good price point. However, if you're working for a team, if you're working for an organization, if you're working with the goal of being a long-term establishment organization agency, you have to make sure that you are for the people. And what happened is the people started to complain. I mean, this was something that was mentioned all throughout the articles. It talked about the people, the stakeholders and the shareholders. It's one thing to piss off the shareholders. It's a whole nother thing where you've got the stakeholders and the shareholders that are not excited about what you're doing. And again, it sounded like there was a level of leadership development that Newman never had and worked through so he can identify his blind spots. I'm not sure who was around his circle, but it's so important that leaders out there, just like we need, we talked about creating your systems ahead of time. Well, you need to have a system of leadership development for you to have the level of awareness that you need in order for you to understand how you show up, why you show up that way. Because sometimes if you're a DIS or a C, what happened? Why do you show up that way? Is it because of trauma? Okay, now we've identified that you have trauma. Do you need to work through that before you start leading a team because it's going to show up in your business? And, I'm, and I would love to know what... Newman's lifestyle was or mindset was or what he experienced in life or even the circles he was around where he was so driven by the external uh, uh, blessings and the external love and the attention where he started to literally forget about his team where you can walk around, you know, sweaty or shirtless and you're just not even worried about people's personal space or what the company culture is. What happened where you just got so lost in yourself where now you're not thinking about a team? And remember, if you decide to be a leader, if you decide to manage a team, it is no longer solely about you. You have to lead from the front, but you need to be in the weeds with your team members. So I think this is a classic example when your personal vices get the best of you and that will show up at showing up in your workplace. And this is something that you never worked through. So let's talk about it. I'm going to pass it on to Corey. But have you ever seen a space where you notice that a leader had had some personal issues or even for yourself? Who knows? You have some personal things that you had to work through before um, you became more of an effective leader or they become became more of an effective leader. Or maybe you just left and you're like, listen, homeboy, homegirl, you are just so toxic. I need to walk away. And it probably had to do with a lot of self-reflection that that person left. So what were your major takeaways from today's show? And first, we have to shout my son out. 
who just had to, he just had to show up on the podcast and I could have made edits and removed him. But again, I want to shout out all my parents out there. People are trying to juggle so many things while at home, while managing their business, life balance, all that. And that's just the reality. So it is what it is. But anyway, yeah, shout out to young man. What up, Samuel? All right. Love you, boo. Anyway, but what were your takeaways from today's episode? One of the major things that I think I wanted to highlight, because again, your your takeaways might have been different, but again, your personal motivators, what are they? What got you into leadership? What got you into business? And also making sure that you consider the awareness component, making sure that you're, again, I always talk about the show up. How are you showing up? Is your motivator certain something that is turning into where now it's starting to look on maybe the greedy side or it's starting to look look more like you're not interested if you're not getting something out of it, whatever it is. And it's okay to have certain motivators. Your time is valuable. It's important that there is a return on the investment or it's important for things to look a certain way. But if they don't, then what? Or you have to also consider the human component or the fact that you're connecting and you are working with other people and you want to be mindful of managing how you come off so it doesn't affect the deal or the relationship. So always keep that in mind. And in this situation, you had a CEO that was very... He was very focused on the externals and those externals started to pivot in a way where now you forget about the people. And again, it's all right. Yes, we're in business. We are showing up at work every day and that money component is important. But on the flip side, if we're just transactional type of leaders, then what? We're creating a transactional type of environment. And if I'm only going to give to you if I get something in return, then what? Giving does not necessarily have to always be monetary. It should also be giving because I know that by developing you and supporting you and giving you a bonus is going to benefit you and your family, but it's also going to build, you know, trust in our relationship. And again, that might come, that might seem somewhat transactional as well, but we want to make sure that we are giving basically from the heart and not from, you know, gains in a way. So in this story, it was just really kind of unfortunate that that was the focus of the CEO. And again, your motivators might vary, but always check yourself and be aware of how you're showing up. When you decide to be a leader, you have decided to manage a team. You have to keep in mind how your moves, what you do affects others. And they do, they also have to have that self um, process where they analyze and self-assessment process where they analyze that as well. So again, what are your personal motivators? Are you in business? Are you in leadership for the right reasons? And what shaped that? Like, what is the story behind why that's such a driver for you? And it's not from the heart. And having that balance of, yes, I need to get this bread. I need to get this money. But I also need to make sure I'm taking care of my people and I'm doing that thing, doing things from the heart perspective. So that's one big takeaway. The other thing is, I've reiterated this before, when you're getting into partnerships, you want to make sure you do the right type of research before you invest in something, before you say, let's do business, let's connect. Even if you're saying you're going to collab with another leader from another organization or from another department and come together, what is their reason why they're into it? Maybe you're coming in with the heart and they're coming in with, I'm looking for the monetary gain from it. Is that aligned with your values? Consistently make sure that the values and the reasons we will get into things are in alignment and it's in alignment in a positive way. 
and really do your research ahead of time. Yes, it's going to be tempting to maybe get into business with someone or get into partnership with someone because, again, from the outside, it might might look like it's going to work well. But when you get into the weeds and identifying the person behind what you see externally, when you start digging and really researching and finding out more and more about what will this partnership look like, you might re- realize that maybe investing in this isn't good because I'm not seeing consistent data here. I'm not seeing consistency in this area. So really make sure that when you are getting into partnerships, when you are deciding to work with someone, you really make sure that you analyze, pay attention and watch and really assess things. And you might decide, listen, let's work on a project or one project together. Let's see how it goes. And that could be the way that you can vet and identify if you're going to move forward from there and say, let's do the six month project. Let's see how it goes. And then in that, you can really see how that person works. You can see if this partnership is good. You can see if this investment works. And then from there, you can say, okay, now I can pivot out. And of course, if there's contracts around, or excuse me, if there's a contract that you guys to do decide to do, then that's fine. Just make sure it has that first contingency and says, okay, this is what we're going to do initially. And then moving forward, we can proceed. Or just come to an agreement that we'll do this, test it out. And if it doesn't work, just pivot. But that's going to be extremely important. And I know we mentioned systems a lot. And systems is a big thing because creating systems, processes, having things outlined is going to be highly important in how you lead and how you do business. A lot of the systems that I've created are still being utilized today. And these are things I created years in the years in the past because... Again, I've always been a process-driven person, but having systems, having processes, having that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten steps to create something is going to make the training a lot easier. It's going to make things automated. It's going to make it's going to take away that workload that a lot of people have to do when they're constantly having to rebuild and start over and there's no true process. So we hit a lot on systems. But for me, again, the major takeaways is what are your motivators? Why did you get into what you're doing? Is it from the heart or is it from other reasons? And then the why behind that? Because again, we have to make sure that we are leaders of change, innovation, and that we're in it for the heart. And yes, there are benefits of it. There are going to be things that we might get monetarily from it. It's going to benefit us in many ways, but you want to go in with the heart. Because what I've seen is that when you go in with the heart and for the right reasons, then you're going to reap so many other great things because you've done that. So check yourself, look in the mirror and identify that and make sure that you're in things for the right reason. And when you're in partnership, that they are also in it for the right reasons. So I appreciate you guys tuning in today. Check out part two that will be dropping next week. And if you have any questions of, or concerns, make sure you hit me up, DM me at Miss Aisha Speaks or email me info at AishaThomas.org and I would love to hear from you. You guys have an amazing week and I'll see you guys later. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speak fire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces. I want to shout out all my faithful listeners for tuning in every week. And don't forget to follow me on social media 
at Miss Aisha Speaks on all platforms. That's M S A I S H A Speaks. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Turn your notifications on and leave a comment if this podcast has blessed you in any kind of way. I thank you for all your support. Many blessings to you.